Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club podcast. Matt and I were joined this week by another fascinating guest. I'm sure you'll agree, Matt. Head has been officially blown once more. Again, yeah, two weeks on the trot. This week we had uh, Russell Earnshaw. Rusty works um, predominantly, I guess, his background is rugby, but he's a coach developer, blower of minds, uh, <laughs> thought provoker, and on the route, on the road to becoming a rock star coach, to steal yeah. his phrase. Um, I mean, what yeah. a goal that is, by the way. Yeah, unbelievable. I thought my my goals were like not bad, but that's that's it's nothing in comparison. I just no. want to be a rock star, whatever now. Rock star Anything. coach. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, nah, brilliant, wasn't he, mate? Really, really good. Yeah, again, like just a just a top top guy. Um, and then somebody, you know what? What strikes me about you know more and more people we talk to that he's just he's just immersed himself into the world of coaching. You know, yeah. like he gives examples of. I mean, how many sports did he talk about? It must have been like more than ten easily. You know, and he just talks about how he's knows the person there and he's coached here and he's watched this person and done that. You know, he's just thrown himself into coaching, you know, just yeah. dedicated himself to, yeah, to coaching. Yeah. That's what struck me about it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's probably why he's got so many experiences and, you know, knowledge and understanding to sort of recall. But oh, another another brilliant, brilliant yeah. hour. We, we just spoke briefly, didn't we, before recording this intro after speaking to, to Rusty. Mm. <clears throat> how effortless he was with some of the ideas, strategies and stuff that he came up with that obviously he's been embedded into his practice for years. But me, you and I were like, wait, wait a minute. No, no, let's, let's go and dig down into that because to him it was just another one of his tools in his toolbox. To you and yeah. I were like, Jesus, that's groundbreaking. <laughs> I, like, I, sort of, I sort of said this last week with Salas was that, he, he'd say something. So Rusty would say something tonight and I think, right, that is, I need more clarity. But by the time I got, I pressed mute, unmute, he'd said something else, which <laughs> I'd also not heard of. Do you know what? So it was, I couldn't catch up with myself. I ended up asking him a question at one point, which was from about 10 minutes prior because it took me 10 minutes to get my head around it. But yeah, yeah I mean, what, what I like, and we said this as well, but what I really liked about, about the hour we've had with Rusty here is that, he gave so many practical uh, examples and, and actions that, you know, a coach could go away and actually practice and do, you know, whereas I think sometimes when, when we chat with people, we, we just talk about things in general, you know, and, and then after reflecting on them, you can come up with some actions. In this conversation, he actually gave you loads of things that you could go away and do, you know, try this, do that, have a go at this. You know, I think that was that was brilliant. And, you know, again, it's stuff he's probably doing on a daily basis without even thinking about it. Yeah. Another person who has cemented the fact that the stuff around what I would call coaching mm -hmm. is actually the most important part of the coaching. <laughs> is, that, is actually coaching. Yeah. yeah. You see, what I thought was coaching and what I've grown up thinking <laughs> is coaching, I'm now starting to realise he's not coaching. Therefore, I'm not good at coaching. And to be better at coaching, I need to spend more time listening to these people who are actually good at coaching. <laughs> yeah. I think what he said as well, he talked about transcending sport, you know, and I think I thought that was an interesting phrase. Yeah. But, but he's, he's right, isn't he? he? Yeah, that's what talk I talk about. What it. Well, yeah, we, we look he's at actually this doing or, it. Yeah, but like watching 
watching one documentary on something. He's not, it is it? He's like out there actually doing it. And, and like even the point around wherever you're practicing, if you're an elite coach, how are you practicing? Like all these yeah. things, like he speaks such sense. Yeah. It's so, so it's, ob- it's obvious, isn't it? When, when he says it, it's obvious. Yeah, I think, yeah. why is that not happening? Why are we not doing this? <laughs> you know, it just, it almost is like, he, he talked about going in, what did he say? He said, conscious, naive, I can't even remember the phrase he used, but basically going in somewhere and asking the silly questions because you don't, you're not an expert in that field. And it felt sort of like that when he's like yeah. saying something, you're thinking, why are we not doing that? That is a great question. You know, yeah. like it's the obvious thing to do. I don't know yeah. why we're not doing it. But yeah, brilliant. Another, another, I know we keep talking about we're doing this for selfish reasons, but it's another great evening for us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, let's give the people what they want. This is our conversation with Russell Earnshaw. I am very confident you'll find it uh, inspiring, thought provoking, and uh, yeah, it will challenge your beliefs. So uh, <laughs> sit back and enjoy. This evening's guest uh, is a gentleman who Matt and I have been following for a while really excited to to chat to him this evening i'm going to start with a quote one of our previous guests uh gave us this quote and it says great bloke who always has time for people he's passionate about supporting players and coaches has helped me through some really challenging times and always checks up on how i'm doing that's from mark hopley and today's guest is russell earnshaw rusty thanks for joining us mate uh yeah thanks for having me you guys well yeah, very well, thank you. Matt, very I'm good, thank you. Matt, Matt attempted a run, which he shouldn't do, and he's struggling. But how, how, far, how far did you run? Not, not far enough to be in this much pain, Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rusty, how does that make you feel? Uh, that little little snippet from Mark. Uh, yeah, mate, cool. He's a great guy, isn't he? He's doing really well uh, as a coach. I would. I was actually talking about this earlier. I was been living in a house with uh, Becky Middleton, who played hockey for England and Great Britain, and like. I would. I spend a lot of time kind of checking in with people, but I have lots of relationships with lots of people. So, like WhatsApp is like my friend, but it's also the devil. Um, yeah, look, I, and I've had some cool times at Hopper. So I've played with him and coached him and learned loads from him, and hopefully he's picked up some stuff from me. I know he had some tough times, so I don't. We might get into it, but definitely that we talked about it from a player point of view, Matt, before this call. But that transition of coaches who are working like let's call it in a development environment in the performance is often a really difficult um thing to navigate so mm. he's probably trying to help hoppers a bit during that and he's i think he's he's now in a really good kind of he's in the job that he was probably made for to be honest like he's he's the he's the king of northampton isn't he <laughs> he's a top man I, I i reached out to him on social media a while ago and, and he was he was excellent at, at meeting up and sharing everything. But before before we dig into that, mate, I'll put you on the spot. If I was to give you 30 seconds to um, quickly reflect on your life today from a sporting and coaching context, um, I, I'll ask you to do that. And we always try 30 seconds. It might force you to, to touch on some really poignant moments that we can dig into. So go on, mate. I'll give you 30 seconds. Uh, uh, my daughter you- thinks I'm Chandler Bing. She doesn't know what I do. Um, I was really lucky to probably come through before the academy system. I loved my rugby till it became professional. I then didn't enjoy it, if I'm honest. I loved sevens. By no kind of clear direction, I've ended up coaching. Um, 
I'm probably better coach than I was a player. Um, but again, like you just feel, I heard a coach, someone said it today on a call, like you sometimes feel small, don't you? Like I imagine it's like when you go up on the spaceship and you look down and you go, all oh, right, there's some bits of the earth I've yet to discover. So I'm always thinking that with coaching, like you're uncovering new stuff all the time and you're going, oh, right, I didn't realise that. So that's probably it. You know, I, I would recommend having kids. I think it helps you be a better coach. I'm not saying it's mandatory, but certainly my wife and kids have had a significant impact upon me and probably my wife is the best person ever giving me feedback. So there we go. Brilliant. Um, uh, what, what, what me and Matt are really interested in, in picking your brains on is is your view on coaching. And uh, I guess it might be fair to say you see things from a different lens to most coaches or traditional coaches. And, and maybe that's starting to change with the excellent work you're doing. But can I ask you what made you or what your view on coaching is and sort of the methodology that you you believe in? And is there anything that sort of made you think, quote unquote, differently um, about the coaching process and how we can deliver and work with players? Um, yeah, look, I think we're all like a product of our experiences, aren't we? I wasn't that excited about being told what to do and where to stand and what to be. And, you know, most humans would probably rebel against that. I did rebel quite a bit. <laughs> um, um, and I played sevens, which is like a more creative version of the game. It's less predictable about where the opposition are going to be. So clearly you need people who can make decisions. So that had influence. I had an amazing time at uni. At uni, the captain is above the coach, really. So as players, you would organise. And I'll be honest, we're such a great team and the social was really important. We created amazing memories. So probably carried a lot of that forward um, and then found it hard in professional sport, quite frankly. Like, didn't like love it. Probably like fell out of love with the game a little bit. And so that stuff's probably shaped me. Um, I think it's a great question around like what we think coaching is because... All too often, you're, you know, you're a minute into a conversation and you're thinking, this person doesn't think the same as me about coaching. So I think it's often a useful exercise, you know, if there's a group of four or five coaches coaching together to actually go, look, what do we each think it is? Like, if we could have four pictures, what would they be? Let's have a look at that conversation. And often it then explains the problems we're having as a co-coaching group. Um, for me, I think above Tech Tac, I think Tech Tac's like interesting and exciting, but I can live without it. I think that it's about helping people grow themselves. And I say that deliberately because like you've got to help people open the front door. You no point breaking in around the back. Um, we've got an alcoholic mother-in-law that's had a significant impact upon how I see stuff and, you know, where there's you know, someone just trying to break in around the back, then there's often resistance. Um, I've definitely started to understand better that we've got to know where people are and what bus stop they're at and what's the next bus stop and how can we help them get that bus? And I've, I've learned that the hard way. So same as everyone, I've, I've had loads of players that I've like thinking that I've been doing a great job with and I haven't. And you got to reflect on those. And those are probably the ones that I reflect the most on in the same way I do when I'm working with coaches, like the ones that I'm having struggles with, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely 
spending more time sat in the car reflecting upon and what other options were available to me and why did I make that decision and am I the right person and could there be something I'm missing here? Um, and then I guess the other stuff for coaching that's important to me is understanding how people can be their best and what makes them wobble. And so clearly in, in life and in sport, and especially at the top level of sport, your ability to deal with setbacks, to in moments of pressure, be able to put the ball on the spot and put the penalty in is critical. So we've got to factor that in to like our training and our practice so that it becomes really normal. Um, and then I guess as a result of that, I see coaching really as problem setting and, and then understanding how much support we need to give or not give. Um, and clearly alongside that, like the story I tell, and often I show the picture with like 1.3%. So I was at an England session with Johnny Wilkinson. He said like, uh, Rusty, I think I'm starting to understand the mental side of the game. I think I'm about 1.3% of the way there. And I thought, well, I'm less than you. So that means I've got at least 99 point something to go. And that's the reality, isn't it? That, that like mental skills are everywhere. Psychology is everywhere. So as a coach, I'm really trying to work out how to be better at coaching that and supporting people with that. Um, so I guess that's that's where I am at the moment with coaching and maybe it'll change over time perhaps. Um, and I think probably just to go back to the start, like we've got to remember what the purpose of sport is. Like it, it's like when you see the moments in the Olympics that we've seen, we were chatting earlier about the, the you know, some of that stuff, but the BMX and the skateboard and how they are with their competitors, like, is the purpose of sport. It's like enjoyment, it's being part of a family, it's finding something in your life that's meaningful. And I'm gonna contrast that with what I've seen around the Lions and South Africa in recent weeks, which I think has been a terrible look for rugby, where coaches are calling out referees and there's been some stuff going on in games that I don't think sport is, but of course, that's just my version of events. Before we unpick, there's so much there. I know Matt's got a question to come, but you touched on you um, were successful enough to go into professional rugby and you obviously worked a long time to get there as a player. Do, is it, do you feel sad or, or disappointed that once you got there, for whatever reason, you, you didn't enjoy it? Is that, when you look back, is that something that, that hurts you because you must have put a lot of effort into that and for whatever reason... <laughs> whether it was the coaches or what, or are you quite pleased with how your journey's panned out? Um, well, I wasn't hurting until you mentioned it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> since you made such a big deal of it, mate. Um, that wasn't um, my intention. I didn't mean that. Um, well, the reality is I didn't work that hard. I kind of landed on my lap by luck, really. I played at uni and had a couple of, you know, went up and played for West Hartlepool, which is near where I'm from and played well against Bath twice. They offered me a contract. It wasn't like these days where you work your way through the levels. I was just playing because I loved it, quite frankly. And I got offered a contract in a couple of places and I thought, oh, this is quite cool. And I tend to be in the moment. So um, I'm like, I'm not thinking too far in advance or too far behind, but I do. Yeah, I think it's like, one of the things often talk about is like trying to be the coach I never had. So when I hear 
we did an exercise last week with Fletch where we just talked about coaches that had the biggest impact on us on a positive way and, and vice versa. And I wouldn't have had that many that had a positive impact on me, quite frankly. And apologies if any of them are listening. But um, and, and so I would want to try and make sure I'm the coach that people need as much as possible. Um, and of course, I've got to like, hold my hand up for some of that as well. So as a player, I probably wasn't like, yeah, I probably didn't. Well, I did. I started off like really working hard and wanting to, but eventually like I was just demotivated by the whole thing. And so I kind of didn't keep going with that. Um, so I guess I've got to hold my hand up as well for that. But uh, I think our job as coaches is to inspire people to want to help themselves. And I definitely didn't feel like I had many coaches that did that. Oh, Okay then, so so what <clears throat> what are the non-negotiables for you as a coach then to be the coach that you never had? Um, well, I think non-negotiables is like a strong word to say. I think there's always negotiation available. Um, however, I just don't think you can, I mean, and, and again, it might be my biases, but uh, I don't think you can coach someone without understanding them or knowing, like we chatted again about like where they come from, what's the... What's their other environments look like? What coaching has had impact on them? What hasn't had impact? What, what ways has feedback been impactful for them? So I think for me, if, if there was one thing I would say is pretty important, it's knowing that because otherwise, like, how do you know where to start from? Um, so yeah, that would, that would probably be, if we're having non-negotiable, <coughs> that would be my non-negotiable. Yeah. yeah, so me and Matt always talk about a lot of the stuff that we watched, or, or in you know through the first lockdown, there was you had loads of time to 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 watch and listen and read things. But and it, the same messages kept coming out for me and Matt was around relationships, people skills, all that kind of thing. It it's vital, isn't it? And the more I listen and speak to people like you, the more I realise not only is it number one, but the gap between that. And knowing the X's and O's, it is huge. Like it, you have to be a relationship builder. You have to be a good person. You have to get to know people. Otherwise, everything else is just it's just wasted knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the, um, I mean, and, and one's easier to teach than the other, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like it's really easy to have certainty around tactics and formations and replicate what other people do, which which is definitely what's happening in rugby at the moment. I mean, not that surprising to me that the team that broke the rules and sacked their coach halfway through the season won the competition, right? Quinns were a perfect model for break the rules, do something different and, and look at the outcome they got. So, yeah, and, and again, it's like, it's infinite, isn't it? So we could we could do a podcast on like feedback or trust or building relationships or peer-to-peer stuff or and and I mean it's just easier isn't it to talk about 442 or Christmas trees or things like that um confidence we could you know we could talk about all this stuff like and it's yeah I mean but that's the stuff that kind of get gets me excited really to be honest like I really really want to uncover that stuff um yeah, that's that's it. I mean, and I guess yeah. I mean, he, Matt would be the same. So you work with players and coaches. I imagine like this is the stuff you're thinking about all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably something I've come to understand over my experience. I think when I was at, when I was at the FA, I think you sort of, we learnt that stuff and we were told how important it was. And it was only when I got into a club and actually started working with players and with staff that you realise just how important it is. And actually, you can't, you can't do anything unless you have that, that stuff sorted. And, and I, I say sorted as a, a flippant comment because it's never sorted, is it? I just mean, without, without, being, without thinking of that stuff, you can't really go on to the next, next bit. And I think what you see is you see people that do that and you might get some short-term wins because the people, you know, will buy into that for a moment. But I think if you want anything that's with longevity, you have to have a connection. You have to have a relationship. Yeah, I think, like, the job of a coach is to build trust. And trust is like a small word, but it's a gigantic thing, isn't it? And, and mm. it's, I trust is dynamic. It's not like you haven't done it and you've completed trust with someone because <laughs> you can lose it really quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that comes back, that comes back, Rusty, what we were talking about probably before we started recording about alignment, doesn't it? And, and actually that trust can be lost through someone else's actions or words. If, if you're not all on the same uh, hymn sheet, you know, and you're, you're doing one thing and saying one thing, if somebody else comes in with something different, that can, that can be lost there as well, can't it? We're, um, we're up in Sebba. We're doing camps. We've got 150 kids for rugby next week. So we've got 150 kids being dropped off by up to 300 parents, all hoping their kids have an amazing experience. Like, so the onus on us as coaches to connect, understand, learn names, find out what motivates them, why they're here, what's their fears, how many people do they know on the camp, who do, you know, who do they connect with, all of that stuff is like, like we finish four days and are like, our heads are ready to explode because I'm not that good at remembering names, so I could be better at it. Um, and that's the stuff I'm thinking about, like the rugby stuff. Will, it'll it'll look after itself, quite frankly. But but until they rock up, we don't know. We can have some rough like guidelines around what are we going to do on the days, but we haven't got a clue. Like. We have no idea what 150 kids are going to turn up and what are they going to be like and what are they going to be their preferences and how are they going to interact with each other and how are they going to be when they're tired three days in. And so those coaching skills are critical in my opinion. But we, uh -huh. we say stuff really, like you said then, and you didn't, and I know you picked yourself up, but we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, trust. Yeah. All right, like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about it a bit or... Or relationships, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll just form good. But that's like, that's not like something that happens in like 10 seconds, is it? No, it's not like handing someone some kit, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would done be good. It. it would be good, wouldn't it? If we it'd be could. great. Yeah, it'd be really good. So how, how do you go about in, in such a short, so that example you said, you've got 150 kids, four days. How do you go about kicking it off? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> um, we're there when they get dropped off. We definitely check in with mum and dad a little bit. Um, I would want to learn names as quickly as possible. I would want to find out what people are good at and probably get their peers to notice that pretty quickly. Um, 
uh, a couple of days in, we'll definitely be like sharing on the whiteboard, write down what other people's strengths are. So let's put Matt's name down. Let's let's put a list of Matt's superpowers. I'm definitely like deliberately getting stuff wrong. I love Doug Lemov's kind of language around a culture of error, where it's just really normal that we get some stuff wrong and we explore why that might be the case. Um, I'm doing what I say I do. So if I say I'm going to do something, then I do it. Um, for me, it's like the little acts, isn't it? It's mm. all the time. It's thinking about being really intentional. And I remember watching a football coach. He'd put a GoPro on him and he'd like, and he fast forwarded a whole day and he'd gone like, I had a, you know, 1200 interactions in a day. Like that's what it's like. It's every single moment matters. Like what questions do I ask? How long do I listen for? How do I connect these two kids? Okay, we've noticed this kid's a bit quiet. We might want to check in with why that might be. Um, and again, like where you talk about like that alignment, then that's really important that we're actually chatting with each other as coaches about like, what have you noticed? What would be helpful with this kid? This type of stuff. And having worked in a school, you know, and we were you talking about that with Steve Salis, but... Mm. My sense is that we're often like, we're not even on the same book. Like we're on different pages of different books with kids. And, and that must be really confusing for them to have that kind of inconsistency around, even if it's just language, inconsistency around that, but definitely inconsistency around like the behaviors of the adults. And I mean, we have, Framework, really, we use Dan Hughes' framework, came from Suzanne Brown around place, so playful, loving, accepting, curious, empathetic. So actually we challenge ourselves as coaches online, give examples of, you know, when you've demonstrated that stuff today. So we're pretty good at, like, we bookend both ends of the day with coach development, so we do some stuff in the morning and some stuff that's probably a bit more reflective of what we did in the day in the evening, and also think that that's important, like, that the kids see that we're trying to get better as well and we don't know it all and lads could you give us some feedback on this we're working on this type of stuff uh, and me and Fletch will definitely bounce around and and use the kids to give feedback to the coaches as well usually pretty positive stuff <laughs> until we feel comfortable and then we'll we'll get the naughty stuff that um that feedback from the players is is really important isn't it and it's it's not done enough is it? Well, quite frankly, I don't see it done that often. At all. Quite frankly, no. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, like EPPP, the kids should be filling in a bit, shouldn't they? They should be filling in their feedback on the coaches. I mean, I'm not sure that exists on the spreadsheet, but actually one of what we were saying, one of my favourite days here, so we theme the days, so G is growth day, so we use gold, O is originality, L is leadership, D is determination. And to be honest, by day four, they need determination because they've had about an hour's sleep. Um, <laughs> but the originality day is class because basically the kids design the day and they design the practices. And, and, and I was saying to you guys, I've learned loads. Mate, some of the stuff last week, I was like, why have I never thought of that as a coach? And it's because I'm not a kid, obviously. Um, but just them designing that day, that's class feedback. And, you know, for us as coaches on like what's landed and what they like and what they don't like. And yeah, I mean, it would be really common to see coaches here all the time. Come on. What, what are you enjoying about that? What's making you struggle? Like if we could make this game better, what would we do? 
if you could make you know if you could give phil one piece of advice as a coach what would it be type stuff those conversations are really common and then interestingly and we had a group last week that were definitely coming from an environment where that was not that normal so sometimes we also have to scaffold those conversations and help them have those conversations either with like cards or we might like go look go write on the whiteboard because people might not be quite ready to own some of that stuff um so we also have to consider like how we how we get that stuff and, and the stuff you said i mean I, I, i'm i'm not saying this lightly like i think there's players across the country in every sport who've got so much stuff the coaches would learn from but they're just too scared to tell them or they're not allowed to and I actually think there's some kids, and I speak to lots of them, that are really struggling and they're too scared to say anything about it. Uh, Rusty, tell us about like scaffolding the questions a bit more because <clears throat> that's really, like you said, that's the important part, isn't it? Because I'll often ask our players, how can we change the, or the players that I'm working with? How can I change this session or this practice or what can we do to make it harder or give you more of a challenge and they'll their first reaction is to maybe choose constraints conditions scoring systems that i may have done before so it's almost like just trying to answer what they think i want them to say whereas how am i really gonna get them to be creative or come up with new things or have the confidence just to, to say something completely different you got any tips for for me around that um, well, the session I saw last week that I really loved was Phil Llewellyn, and um, he took some of Amy Price's video game design stuff and just gave like levels, pauses to each group. And actually, they hadn't really been exposed to it, to be honest. And, and then said, like, design a game and include that in it. So gave them one thing to then add on to other games and some of the stuff they did. It was ridiculous. I played in one of the levels games, and it was so much fun like literally so much fun. And then other stuff I've been thinking about, like priming them, so giving them time to think about it, like not just putting it on them and going right now, you need to invent a game, actually considering like giving them an hour's, two hours notice, like over lunch or that type of stuff. The other stuff I was thinking a bit about with the kids was like, close your eyes, like put your hand up if. Uh, I was doing it with the kids where I would come over and they'd be like, like, how are the coaches like? If that's like 10 and that's like zero, where are they? Um, and then I just think the whiteboards are really helpful. Like, we've used them for loads of things, like kids designing games, kids giving feedback to other uh, kids, kids giving feedback to coaches, having the session plan on to probably help the kids that are a bit unlike me and actually want a bit more structure, but then allowing them to annotate how they could do it or write on their what behaviours they enjoyed from the coaches. So I do think a, a white, whiteboards are possibly underused. Uh, and of course, we have more time here, so they'll be on the pitch for a long time. So you can't always be at 100 miles an hour. So that kind of creating a rhythm around the day where actually they have some times where they are sat around a whiteboard and chatting about stuff is, has been yeah, really helpful, I think, for the coaches. And am I right in thinking that a games-based approach to coaching is something that you you strongly believe in. Yeah, we can we can definitely like argue about what a game is, but I mean the reality is, like 
in, let's take rugby, for example. Like, there isn't one way to pass a ball. So if you're telling people they have to do this, I have to do that, I can always show you an exception from a game. Um, of course, like, when and why to pass is important. So you need to know when to pass, which isn't coached that well in my experience. And of course, you have to know that, like, you might be kicking. So it's not just passing. So, but of course, like, if someone's novice, you might do some stuff slightly differently. And as they progress up this way, then, so you might just vary the numbers or the size of the pitch or the pace of the game or, you know, you have those options as a coach, really. Um, I guess, like, the, I would generally be interested, like, in rugby, if someone's doing unopposed, like, what was your second choice? What was your third choice? Why did you choose not to do them? It, there wouldn't be that much need for people to do unopposed, really. But, of course, it's tradition. So we all did it. Like, I definitely took part in some unopposed stuff. I was thinking, this is weird. Uh, because, like, I need to know where to look. And unopposed is teaching me nothing about where to look because clearly I need to look to make decisions. So, yeah, whether a game is like 2v2 or 2v1 or whatever it might be, um, I think you need to give context to decision-making and then start to understand like what helps people make good decisions. Um, but I think that, I guess the challenge is, and you guys can probably like, shine a light on this from a football point of view it's quite hard as a coach isn't it to coach a game like we went through this whole the game is the teacher where people just went oh we'll just let it go and of course it's easier to control this kind of block practice and mm. an error correct and that's quite easy to do and you can go look put your hands up and five minutes later they still haven't put their hands up and i, I told you um but of course, the, the skills within a game around when do I pause it? Like, do I freeze or do I huddle? Do I have individual interactions? Do I have small group? Who do I give information to? If we're going to replay, do I choose whether we replay or do they choose whether we replay? Like, what does like feedback look like in the moment for people? Like, that's a bit more complicated. And so... <sighs> We often don't do that. And then, of course, it gets even more complicated because then when Matt, Rusty and Lee are coaching together, we're co-coaching like, well, if we all think coaching is something different, I'm problem setting and Lee's giving them all the answers. And <laughs> Matt and Lee... That's just watching. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him coach. Uh, <laughs> Matt and Lee both have a preference for certain types of players, so they spend loads of time with them and... None of us used to be a goalkeeper, so none of us speak to the goalkeepers. And, of course, everyone else has got a scoring system in the game apart from the goalkeepers because they're goalkeepers. Um, so I think that's where it becomes really quite complex. And, of course, then that probably exposes what we did in planning. So in planning, if we spend lots of time focusing on practice design and rather than, like, planning our interactions with players or mm. planning our interactions with one another or pre-morteming the fact that 150 rugby kids arrive tomorrow and by lunchtime, 30 of them are going to be homesick. Uh, we know that's going to happen, so let's prepare ourselves for that. Then, of course, if, if that stuff doesn't exist in the planning, then we get exposed on the pitch. And then, of course, if we don't reflect on that with players and understand 
which of our interactions were helpful and which were unhelpful. And, and of course, we just keep doing what we've always done. And so it's, um, it's fascinating. And I, I would love to get your view on that because my view is having watched coaches fill in E-triple-B stuff in advance and post-sessions that maybe that's the next iteration of E-triple-B. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's quite a few things I wanted to pick out from that little bit. But for me, the, the why becomes is really important. And like the example you gave in football, an unopposed practice, I, I hated being told to check my shoulder when I was doing an unopposed practice. Check your shoulders. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, because someone could tackle you, but they can't. There's no one, no one's in the game. It used to drive me crazy. You know, and I think I think the why is really important because it helps give, like you said, it gives that context, doesn't it, to a player so that they understand what they're doing. They're not just doing something. They understand why they're doing it at that moment and why another time it might be different and they might need to choose another another tool or another option. Um, what I was going to say is what what would you define as a game? What, what are your non-negotiables, you know, when you're delivering a game? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that question. I was talking earlier about your check your shoulders, and that's really. So I was at um, at a club once, and and they were saying that, and I said, I bet I can walk up behind any player, count to five, and tap them on the shoulder, and they won't. And it was just easy, like yeah. because there's not a need, is there? So you probably need to exaggerate the problem. So I've been working with England Touch at the moment, and like they give a lot of yards on defence because that's how they always defend. And I was like, okay, well, they've got four tackles to make 20 yards, which is really easy if you defend as you've always defended. So I, I go through this stage of, well, we can't do that. It's ridiculous to actually, okay, there's some other solutions. So uh, in terms of a game, I mean, I don't know, is the answer probably some people playing against some other people, possible <laughs> scoring system. Uh, you know, they don't need to be even numbers. I mean, often I think we assume that it, it has to be, whereas actually if, 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 if there was seven defenders and four attackers, you're probably going to check your shoulders. <laughs> so, you're right. You know, yeah. We need to think about like how we design our practice. And as you said, like what's our intention? What's the purpose of this practice is, is really important. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've defined a game. The academics will have a much better definition than me. This, this is this is a, this is why we we got got you on, Rusty, because I'm listening to you speak, and I I just feel like I'm really not doing coaching properly. I'm sure you. <laughs> do, you know what, I, do you know what you've made me think? And this is something I've thought about before. My attention is in the wrong place. I think when I'm thinking about my sessions, I'm thinking a little bit too much around, like you said, the practice design or whatever, whereas, correct me if I'm wrong, but listening to you, my attention doesn't necessarily need to be on the practice as such. It might be <clears throat> my interactions and how I'm going to, who I'm going to tell, like you speak around giving rules to some players and not to others, and then how I'm going to get feedback, who, who I'm going to give feedback to other players, all that kind of stuff, which I guess in my mind goes around the practice itself. But actually the practice is nothing without all of that. And that's the I kind of bit, the coaching bit, isn't it? And maybe that's just because it's easy for me to focus on the type, the practice design or the session structure. And what. See, me and Matt claim to, I say claim, we like to use games, whether it's, condition games as we'd call it or scoring says whatever but a games-based approach as we would call it 
But speaking to someone like you, I'll I jump in, Matt, if you feel the same or not, but I don't, I don't think we do it as effectively or to the level we probably could. I'm not think you guys feel bad, so I feel terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, 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 but I would think of it like this. So I was lucky enough to be on a, a Zoom call with Jesse Mensch over lockdown. He spoke about like how they practiced and they, so they would go 10 attackers, five defenders. That's a defensive practice. Whereas most people would often want success. Success, yeah. So, so think about that. So if, if we're three of the five defenders, we need to be really certain that when Mac goes, we're seeing the same stuff and we go as well. So we probably need to have a real understanding of what we're trying to achieve, what are our principles, how are we going to dictate in defence as an example. So that for me would be, look, we're, we're working on like defence, here's our practice design. And then what would flow from that would be like, okay, so where are we going to stand as coaches? What are we going to notice? So clearly like, Scanning is going to be really important in this practice. You're never going to get the ball back if you don't. But of course, we might then start to look at where the players are looking. But of course, if they're not looking for the right things, then we might need to help them a bit. Then how are we going to help them? Are we going to tell everyone? Or are we going to tell one person and hope that that person then shares that information because we're interested in that? And if the session is going to be like a certain amount of time and the practice is going to be quite intense, like how are we going to give feedback or clues or prompts are we going to pause it instead of huddles often i see a huddle and we're kind of talking about something that none of us can remember what it looked like but actually are we going to go freeze uh, what's going to happen next or are we going to let the players freeze it like uh, those type of discussions around the coaching skills uh, like for me they probably marry up with the practice so once i've worked out the practice and i wouldn't have I wouldn't have millions of games, if I'm honest. I would have some core skill games. I'd some small-sided ones. I'd play Rondo in a kicking game a lot. And I would have a series of games, the Fiji game, the Barbarians game, the New Zealand game, that are based around some important stuff in rugby. And then, of course, I can put some set piece into that. It might be a little mini scrum or whatever. But what I think is super important for me is to understand, like, what coaching skills am I going to use during this? And probably, as you said, Lee, like, what's the stuff I'm going to look for? And what am I willing to miss? So what am I actually going to let go? And I might be, again, like, we might tell them. I'm cool. Like, so Fletch used to do an amazing job with England 18s camps. When the kids arrived, kids, I'm only going to remember your three best moments. I'm going to delete everything else. Like, we are deleting that stuff because we want to know what you're really good at. And we're going to help you get even better at that. So I think as coaches, and again, like the co-coaching, like there's no point me, Lee and Matt all looking at the same thing. So in rugby union, most coaches are looking at the ball. So you might go, only one of us is ball focused. We're actually going to have the other two going to be off the ball. Matt, you're going to look at the defenders off the ball. Rusty, you're going to look at the attackers off the ball. So I just think like without that intention as a coaching team, it's, it's possibly suboptimal. And you might play around with, look, what are you good at? Or you might do what the New Zealand coaches used to, and they used to job rotate. So every six months, they'd switch around, and the defence coach would coach attack, and the attack coach would coach defence. Because, of course, the other thing we all forget is that defence coaches attack and attack coaches defence. So if I want to coach defence, I spend a lot of time with attack. 
and vice versa, but often we don't do it that way. I want to pick you up on uh, on noticing. You spoke around noticing there, and how how important is it? How important is that as as coaches around noticing? I think it's just like same as players, isn't it? It's like I would elevate it to the most important skill. Like if you haven't noticed something, then how are you ever gonna you know be able to coach? Quite frankly, um, and of course, like a real quick way for me to get wins with coaches is to go right. Cool. No one's allowed to look at the ball. Put your hand up once you've looked at it. I mean, it's it's ten seconds unless people have closed their eyes, or they're looking the other way, like turned around. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you gotta. Can we agree that generally you're not coaching off the ball? Like, so there'd be some stuff that were again like, and I, I, I was at a football academy and I was chatting to a coach and I said, why don't we, between us, look at who we think are the best three scanners off the ball and we'll compare because I really wanted to draw his attention to that. I think there were some players that were good at it and some players that were less good, but I think he, was, he wasn't noticing it. And he was feeding the ball. And he said, uh, after about 20 seconds, he was like, oh, Rusty, I can't feed the ball and notice that. Well, of course you can't. So why are you feeding the ball? So you've got to understand, like, is feeding the ball and where that goes in more important than the scanning? If it is, then I need to do that. If looking at where players are looking is more important, then I probably need to get someone else to feed or I'll put some balls in different positions, give them different values, and we can start to then actually consider like some tactical stuff. Um, I think it's the most important skill. Um, and, I, and what I think is also helpful is like, we learn loads in rugby from having other coaches, like football coaches come in loads. And, and I would just say, look, tell me who you think the best defender is. And they would say, well, what does like... I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what I think, like, but I just really want you to tell me. And they would give us really useful insight because they're not like experts in rugby. And, you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm already trapped into thinking rugby should be like this. So I think like that naive experts is a really helpful kind of way. The other, the other stuff I would suggest is coaching other sports is, coaching lots of different age groups, which you guys will do anyway, coaching with other coaches regularly. So that, again, I would have some kind of rotation going around within clubs, even if it's like a community club, I would, you would almost insist that someone co-coaches with a different group, you know, once a month, because you start to see different stuff when you work with other people. You've, you've obviously had the, the pleasure of, of going through a few different sports, and, and still still do that. Has there been one sort of one thing that was eye-opening to you and you were like, oh, I wish I'd have known that sooner um, from a coaching perspective that might not be within rugby, might be from, from a little window into a different sport? That's a good question. Um, I guess I've picked up like stuff everywhere I go. Um, what have I loved? What's like hit me? Well, I don't know. I think there's been some really cool stuff in both football and hockey around practice design where I think people are starting to actually go like get players to think more. Um, and obviously Amy Price's stuff around the video game design probably hit me like a ton of bricks, if I'm honest. Like you were like, have I gone for this many years without... <laughs> 
having ever seen this. It's blown my mind. And actually, I did do some of it, but you never really had the language for it. And I wasn't doing it as well as I could. And then probably the other thing that's really like capturing me at the moment, and I think some people are trying it and playing around with it and it's just theming and like almost storytelling around stuff and using theming to connect people up emotionally, but also tactically and, you know, as an organization. And so I'm really curious as to like, what's going on there. There's a guy, Dave Sharkey on, she's on Twitter at teaching sharks. who has been doing a bit of stuff with Ronan Agara in rugby and did a bit of stuff in his, in his school around this as well. And I'm, I guess I'm kind of getting fascinated by that because people way cleverer than me. So Claire Murphy, who's a storyteller would, would tell me that it like lights up certain parts of the brain and stuff becomes more memorable and it ties into emotions. So I'm trying to explore some of that stuff as well. Do you think, because something, something I was, I've been reflecting while, while you've been talking about, stuff that you were talking about earlier, um, it's taken me that long to, to process it, sorry. But do, do you think that we, as coaches, it is a trend of jumping in too quick to, to provide answers and to make it look like it should, in inverted commas, look? Because, and the reason I, I say this is, I, I, I think... I see footballers, so I work in football, so I see football players and they get frustrated really easily, really easily. So the minute things don't go right, that you can see them getting frustrated and getting angry and it gets worked up. And I, I've been reflecting on why do, why do I think that's happening? And one of my thinkings is that we jump in just when it starts getting murky and messy to try and help them with the good intentions, but I think that that jumping in is too early. And I think actually they have to be just left in the fog for a bit to see what happens and whether they work it out or not. And basically what I'm saying is I think that our session shouldn't look pretty and perfect. I think they should just be look like pretty chaotic and disjointed and quite messy. And I think we've got to be all right with that. But that's quite a tough one to, to be able to do, isn't it? Yeah, the um, Fletch says use the word dynamic, not chaotic. It, more people are more comfortable with that word. Yeah, that's um, that is better. Yeah, some some stuff I wrote down while you were talking there is yeah. I mean, look, it would be helpful to signpost. So today's session is going to be amber. It's going to be sixty percent going wrong, forty percent going right. Let's say so. Actually, people yeah. understand that pre mortem it. So when stuff goes wrong, like. What strategies do we have to help ourselves and one another? I think that's really important. And that's probably players and coaches because, like, I do quite a bit of stuff where I'll give a coach a blank piece of paper and I'll, you know, just either write down, like, your best bits or with other coaches, I might go, like, write down how you're feeling. And we did one with uh, video game design where someone was doing it for the first time and it was like, he, was, he had this list of... So he did his explanation and then he was like, did they even listen to what I say? What the hell's going on? What are other people thinking? Because there's loads of other coaches watching. Oh my God, like seriously, you know, I really want to step in. Um, and then, oh, they've started to solve the problems. Yeah. Oh, that was quite cool. So, but that was like 15 minutes. It was possibly too long. So I think like we, we probably need to uh, like consider our mindset around this as well. How much we signpost again, like, 
if they aren't getting it, what do we do? Do we give them the option of a clue? Come and find me if you want a clue. Do we tell one person and go, look, mate, I don't know if you've noticed, but because we actually think it would be beneficial for that person to practice their communication skills. Um, I mean, that's why I like the video game design stuff. So we did a session last week where I just, it was just four levels. And then I put level five question mark. And, and we did four hours on it. And it was that kind of pleasant level of frustration where people are just trying to get to the next, and we're almost there type of stuff. And we're, we're making progress. So sometimes it's, you know, that we just haven't designed the practice well enough and they're actually like, they are genuinely struggling with it. Um, and of course, if it's not, I, 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 the other thing that I experienced last week was running a session that sounds like the session you described and then it's the last session of the week and then the parents come. And I'm quite an experienced coach. And then, oh my God, the parents can be over the hill. Like, what are they going to think? Like, this looks really messy. Like, and, and by messy, what we generally mean in rugby is the defence are doing all right. So the attack are knocking on and some stuff's going wrong. And probably the same in football, like there's been no goals. There's a lot of transition, that type of stuff. So we've got this game and it's a banking game and the kids are all in on it. And the reality is like, because they're so all in, there's loads of transitions and stuff's going wrong and da, da, da. And I was like, I'm going to get me go need to speak to the parents here. Like, they're going to, like, think I'm a terrible coach. And, and, and by the way, I've been coaching for 20 years and I'm still thinking that. And, um, and I went over and I was like, oh, you, you guys all right? You have good trips. And, and one of the guys just went, God, the kids are into this, aren't they? Like, what's this game? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, you'll, there'll be some stuff, you know, it's video game design stuff. And, and he was like, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. And I was like, oh, thank God, thank God. But interestingly, what we did do this week, me, Fletch and Duff's recorded a video that's about 10 minutes long that we sent to the parents for this week because actually we didn't want other people to experience that. So this is the stuff you'll expect to see. We've been focusing on these skills. On the last day, it won't look like the British and Irish Lions against South Africa. It'll look like some kids playing rugby and learning. And, uh, and the second day is originality. So you might see them trying some new stuff. Now, that stuff might not go so well, but what you'll probably then see is a replay. Now, I know we don't have replays in the game. So, again, like just signposting the parents as to what they'll see, which has been really helpful, like kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But sometimes as coaches, we don't do that. And I reflect back on my time as a, when I was teaching and the, the parents that were like in my head causing the most grief were probably the ones I was speaking to the least. And I would have benefited from probably signposting them and probably would have had less stress going on in my head. Um, so I guess it's context, isn't it? So I don't know whether you're thinking about that, Matt, as to whether that's the player frustrated, but sometimes it's also like other coaches or other adults, parents that might be like, you might be worried about what they're thinking. Yeah, agreed. I just agreed with everything that you said there. And it's so, it's so relatable. You just change the shape of the ball. That's exactly what... Exactly what we've been talking about. I really like the, the way the term you use that signposting as well. I think the language of that's really it's quite powerful, isn't it? Because it's it's putting the onus on them as well. Because we often because we often them. we often think like we make some assumptions, don't we? Or we kind of guess what might be in other people's heads. Yeah. We, we might say, like, 
you know, we might have a meeting and go, for the first half hour, we're going to be really, really divergent and creative. Nothing is wrong. Like, we want the, like, the best wrong answers ever. We want to get, like, because then in the second half of the meeting, we're going to get really convergent and we're going to look at those options and we're going to come up with some solutions. Uh, that's helpful. Sometimes people come into a meeting and go, oh, I don't want to make a suggestion in case it's wrong or yeah. what will yeah. people think. So, yeah, I think we sometimes get that wrong. And I definitely got that wrong lots, especially when I coach, because my bias is towards more dynamic sessions, probably with high stretch, probably like I'm hanging out with the kids that are, that are the better kids. And so I need to probably either signpost a co-coach like, this is my biases. Will you help me with the kids that need more support or signpost the players? Look, if at any point, like, this is too much for you, like, just give me a thumbs up and say, Rusty, like, I need help type stuff. And that, that you know, but of course we're often making assumptions. This, this might be a question for my own my own sanity, Rusty, because... Uh, oh, mate, this feels like <laughs> counselling now. Yeah. It is, Come it on, is, but, we'll get through this. We can do yeah. this. No, because you're 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 there, like you're just dropping these, dropping these knowledge bombs, and I'm like, oh man, how how long did it take him to like get up with these? Because or have I just been getting it so wrong all this time? When you say all these little strategies, you've got like, come and find me for a clue, or the pause, the rewind, like Matt, jump in with me here. I've never heard any of those kind of things, not just in football coaching, but in coaching. So this seems. Seems like it's fascinating to me. So, did you start? You know to what, Lee? I, I, I've been. I was reflecting because Salis used the pause button last week. He talked about it, and and actually, like some of these terms we use, just not in sport. So, yeah, like, I'm, if we I'm think about, about the pause strategies, button, strategies like there, you said, and again, you you probably didn't pick up on them, Rusty, because it's natural to you. And but to, to someone like me and Matt, it, it's it's different to our world, I'd say. But like, mm. you, you, you're saying things there, like. Um, giving a like, I've got a clue. Whereas coaches, like, I'd be straight in there with the answer if I needed yeah. to. But or yeah. like, or like, um, different levels, or or your your amber, it's gonna go like all this kind of stuff. Maybe it is a teaching background, Matt. I don't know. But did my question is, how can I be better? Because like, it's it's really inspiring. I want to be like that, and it is a great. And that's I guess what me and Matt talk about. We probably we probably want to be like that. And we, we convince each other we are, but deep down now we've realized. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, I'm... Completely, <laughs> completely. I've written down five things in that last bit, thinking, why do I not do that? Like, and by the way, I definitely, I definitely don't do it all the time and I'm getting it wrong loads. And it's, yeah, what you say about the classrooms. So one of my friends, we started looking at Amy's stuff and Keith, and James G stuff. Like, James G is a god to me, really. Like, if you Google his uh, good learning... James G, Good Learning. I think it's one of the best documents ever around learning. And uh, one of my mates said, I'll put a pause button on my whiteboard at school, Rusty. Change the lesson. Like, I now know when the kids don't understand stuff. Like They never, ever intervened before. And my view would be that the kids need to call huddles, not coaches. More often than not, of course, the coach should have the gift of like some huddles. But of course, we then need to scaffold it because the tradition is that we call huddles. But of course, how do we know what they're thinking or if, if we call them all the time? Um, I think the reality is like, 
I'm, I hang out with lots of coaches. I get lots of ideas. I can, people then make them way better. I can then steal those ideas off people. <laughs> when you work in different sports, you get loads of, loads of clues as to, as to what's going to help. Um, I video myself coach loads. I mic myself coach loads. Send it to people way cleverer than me. They send me it back and say, Rusty, you say the word nice a lot, don't you? And Fletcher is really good at giving me feedback. Rusty, you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. When what you mean is no. Um, uh, I think that stuff's critical, isn't it? Like if we're going to get better. Is that why you agreed to this podcast? You meant to say no. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Rusty Fletcher said to me, you know, uh, Phil Llewellyn says the same thing as you. He said this to me last week. I said, what's that? He said, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you mean no. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just think that's helpful, isn't it? That you, and I co-coach with loads of different people. So like last week, one of the lads, uh, Hazy, he did run this session where the kids started out with a fixed amount of money uh, and then they could buy other players. They could buy clues off the coach. They could, oh, man. I mean, it was, it was two days of coaching. Like, and then the kids started adding stuff and what they could do. And I was like, mate, I'm definitely stealing that hazy and claiming it as my own um <laughs> so i'm just really lucky that i get to watch lots of coaches coach and i'm just like just into it i also had a conversation and i've, I've shouted her out already but with suzanne brown at the start of lockdown that really really clarified for me like what was important around coaching and she is unbelievable at like holding you to account like, what do you mean by that, Rusty? No, 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 no. Simplify that for me. Da, da, da. And I was like, I was exhausted at the end of an hour, but it was just really helpful for me. It was almost like supervision, if I'm honest. Um, how, how important is it to have people like that in your circle? Because I guess if you're if you're working <clears throat> not in a team context, I know you go and work within different sports, how important is it for you to have someone giving you that kind of feedback and, and checking and challenging you? Yeah, I think it's like critical, isn't it? And and then I was talking to someone earlier today. I think we do it really well in hockey. So we have coach developers from different disciplines. We've got Paul Connolly as a as a counsellor, and I come from other sports, and then Matt and Sam come from hockey, and Demi brings a different perspective about motivation, climate, and um, and Colleen brings a different view on stuff as well. And we just like catch up pretty regularly, like what's going well, what's our challenges, you know, as, as coach developers. I think that's really helpful for me as well. Um, yeah, obviously, like, Fletch is, Fletch is the reason I went to the RFU to take the job. I wanted to learn off him, and now I get to hang with him loads. Um, my wife gives me feedback all the time. You, you say this when you're coaching, you don't do it at home. I get that one a lot. Um, you're not coaching your kids very well at the moment, are you? Um, and I just think it's like absolutely essential, isn't it? Like you guys would be that to lots of coaches and lots of players and part of their kind of Fletch does a really cool exercise. He says, ah, oh, like, like your coaching tree. So Fletch is like, hmm. like Bill Shankly's part of my coaching tree because Steve Black has influenced me and Bill Shankly influenced him. And, so I, I like that idea of we're like we're trying to grow this coaching tree of people that are, you influence and that influence you and I just think it's essential. The cross sport thing is critical for me. We can get trapped in an echo chamber of our sport and 
what we think it is and just yeah and also like who've i learned loads of suzanne brown psychologist the brit school like is the best learning environment i've been to kirk at google like none of those people are from the world of sport but there's so much transferable stuff that i can go oh, that's really interesting like how do they do like assemblies at the brit school like how much emotion they bring to it like how often do we do that in a meeting how memorable are our meetings okay kirk does you know he's got some uh, kind of thinking tools around creativity how can i bring that into rugby mm. um and i guess i'm just like really interested in like learning and being as good as i can be i um i don't think there's like loads and loads of rock star coaches who are like and i and i really 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 want to eventually become like a rock star coach like i love it what, what do you mean by a rock star coach I think, there's not, I think there's not that many people that can, you'll often go, oh, yeah, that coach, you know, he can coach these, but he can't coach these. Mm. I think you, if you could find coaches that could, like, transcend sports, transcend abilities, age groups, all of that, I, I don't think there'd be many people who, who are able to do that. And I've been really lucky to coach. You know, we chatted about football, Coach Academy football. I've done some stuff with the... Uh, uh, England, young England cricketers, done stuff in rugby, done stuff in handball, done stuff in hockey. Like, I really want to like challenge myself to be as good as I can be. Really, brilliant. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm conscious of time, and I think that's a fantastic. Uh... Mate, Lee's got to get on to Love Island, doesn't he? <laughs> well, this is this is what. <laughs> yeah, listen, it upsets me every week. This because I, I try and avoid it, but. Um, a few questions just to finish off because I think that's that's a really great. I mean, just that little soundbite at the end around, you know, about improving yourself is 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 awesome, and that's what you know me and Lee live by as well. So, um, what have you? And I know you've already given us a few, but what have you consumed recently? I.e., listened to, read, or watched that you would recommend to people to to go and have a look at. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about coaching, but uh, two books, uh, Owen Eastwood Belonging, I think it's applicable to any team, uh, and uh, Gary Klein, Streetlights and Shadows, decision-making, like it would probably bust some myths, um, or just listen to a podcast on either of them because it's quicker to do. I feel I feel like we've we've covered so much, yet so little at the same time. Would you agree, Matt? Like every, it just opened so many little windows where, like you said, I think we could, we could talk for hours and, and really dig into it. So I, I can't thank you for your time. You've certainly sparked some curiosity. Me and Matt will be on the phone throughout the week going, oh, what about this? Do you think this? Or I know I'm coaching tomorrow, so I'll be, I'll be giving some of this a go straight away. I um, yeah, I can't my advice you. would always, and, and of course my advice would always be like, be you, don't try and be anyone else as a coach people will recognize straight away when you're being someone else and less is more like it was interesting wasn't it like we had the whole everyone learned loads in lockdown let's get on the pitch and do loads of stuff <laughs> we actually had one of the coaches last week like it's like chatting to him after the day you know what are your reflections on day one he went i tried to put too much into day one didn't i rusty and i was like it's like it's class that you really want to help the kids and loads of stuff you've learned and and that's awesome 
you've just got to consider like what are the needs of the people in front of you like or is it that you just want to practice loads of new stuff i would try and gently and that's what we said about like these three weeks and said but for me are like google x like we can try loads of new stuff we can slip it in here and there see how it lands see what works and kind of test it um and that's yeah i guess i mean often like i work with international coaches and i'll be like so where do you do your practice because the reality is if you're coaching in an international team and you've got limited amount of time and camps and you need to be practicing lots and same same with me like i need to be practicing lots Last question, mate, that I've just thought of when you sparked me there with your, your, your comment. If you could spend some time with one rock star coach, past or present, you may have done it. Who, who would that be? Um, I'm fascinated because we all watched um, it during lockdown. The, uh, it's gone from my mind, but Phil Jackson, basketball coach. Mm. I would be really intrigued as to, like... The Last Dance, is it called that? Last Dance, because yeah. you've got, like so much diversity in that team you know you've got to deal with the what's his uh dennis rodman you know <laughs> to vegas for a week and comes back and like all that stuff i'm i'm fascinated by yeah i think he's done a remarkable job so yeah i'd be interested in that brilliant the other guy, sorry the other guy is scott robertson so the stuff they've done at the crusaders and how they've themed and all of that and his energy and how he I'm interested in that, how he plans and what goes on in his head. So he'd be the other one I would want to spend time with. Good stuff. Listen, I, I owe you seven minutes of Love Island. I apologise. Um, <laughs> before before we say bye, where can uh, where can people um, follow you and, and dig a little deeper into some of your excellent work, mate? Yeah, no, just probably Twitter's the best. Like at Russell Earnshaw. Just if you anything you're curious about, drop me a message. I'll I'll always get back, quite frankly. I'm terrible at saying no. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a single yes means yes, but three yeses mean no. Um, so, yeah, I'm always keen to kind of connect and learn from other coaches. Great. So thank you so much for your time, mate, and, and sharing uh, sharing your experiences. And uh, it's been great. I'm, I say Matt and I use this selfishly, so... Um, I'm sure we. I know Matt's on the same page as me. We've we've thoroughly enjoyed chatting, and uh, hopefully some other people do too. If they don't, who cares? Because I've had a great time. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. And yeah, let's uh, keep in touch and uh, yeah, stay safe. Top man. Thanks, Rusty. Cheers, guys.